Last week, um, I gave a message um, about the value of you, and it was really talking uh, to people that had low self-esteem and and did not see the value that um, they had within themselves and that God um, had already given to them. And during that message, I, I mentioned that the message wasn't full of people, well, it wasn't for people full of pride. And and uh, it was almost a, a throwaway comment, but um, God very strongly let me know, and I, and I said that God would deal with, that, with, with, with people that are full of pride in a, in a later message. Uh, I, I didn't uh, have any indication that, that that was definitely what the Lord wanted me to do, but the Lord strongly indicated um, to me this week that um, that this morning um, I should preach on pride, and so that's what we're going to teach and and preach uh, this morning. And this is the companion message to last week. Um, so, when we talk about pride, what is pride? What 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 are we talking about when we are talking about pride? And pride in us. These are the most common meanings of pride from dictionary.com. It's a high or inordinate opinion of one's own dignity, importance, merit, or superiority, whether it's cherished in the mind or is displayed in bearing, conduct, etc. So it's basically saying it's a high or, 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 or too high opinion of your own importance, your merit, your, that, uh, how, how good you are in, in relation to other people. Whether it's just in your mind or whether it's displayed in how you, you look to others, how, how you carry yourself or, or what you do or what you say to other people. Um, and it's also the state or feeling of being proud. What we need to know about pride in relation to ourselves and God when we are trying to follow God is that pride is not a small thing to God. It's okay and healthy to have a good opinion of yourself. That's healthy. God wants us to have a good opinion of ourself, ourselves. But pride goes beyond having a healthy self-image. It goes into something more. It goes into something uh, uh, that's more concerning. Romans chapter 12 and verse 3 says, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. But to think soberly according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. So we can think of ourselves in a good way, but there's a more highly than we ought to think as well. That goes into pride. Pride is really lifting up yourself instead of God, who is the one who is actually worthy of praise. In the Bible, pride is always closely associated with sin judgment, and destruction. Any nation or person who was proud or became proud came under the judgment of God and often had effects on the people around them as well. Let's look at some examples. We're going to do a bit of teaching this morning as well as preaching. When God talks about Sodom, the wicked city in the time of Abraham, he has this to say, Behold, this was the iniquity of your sister Sodom, Pride, fullness of bread, and abundance of idleness was in her and in her daughters. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. And they were haughty 
and committed abomination before me. Therefore, I took them away as I saw good. Remember that this taking away involved fire and brimstone raining down from heaven and destroying the entire city and all of the inhabitants therein. But when he talked about the iniquity of, of Sodom, the first thing he mentioned was pride. They lifted themselves up against anything that was godly and thought they knew better. They did whatever was right in their own eyes. The nation of Israel became proud and worshipped idols and rejected God many times. In Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 8, the Lord sent a word into Jacob and it has lighted upon Israel and all the people shall know, even Ephraim and the inhabitant of Samaria, that say in the pride and stoutness of heart, the bricks are fallen down, but we will build with hewn stones. The sycamores are cut down, but we will change them into cedars. It's basically saying, doesn't matter what happens, whatever happens, we're going to do greater, we're going to do better, and we don't care about God. Therefore the Lord shall set up the adversaries of Rezin, Rezin was uh, a king of, of uh, Syria, against him and join his enemies together, the Syrians before and the Philistines behind, and they shall devour Israel with open mouth. For all this, his anger is turned not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still. For the people turneth not unto him that smiteth them, neither do they seek the Lord of hosts. Therefore the Lord will cut off from Israel head and tail, branch and rush in one day. So they were proud. They would not humble themselves before God. They did whatever they wanted to do and God was going to give them a, a terrible judgment and, and, and really cut them, cut them down. He was going to... Uh, destroy them in many ways. God used Assyria to bring judgment on Israel. But Assyria was also proud. And so God had something to say to Assyria as well. In Isaiah 10 and 12, Wherefore it shall come to pass that when the Lord has performed his whole work upon Mount Zion and on Jerusalem, I will punish the fruit of the stout heart of the king of Assyria and the glory of his high looks. For he saith, by the strength of my hand I have done it, and by my wisdom, for I am prudent. I have removed, there's a lot of eyes here, and I have removed the bounds of the people and have robbed their treasures, and I have put down the inhabitants like a valiant man, and my hand has found as a nest the riches of the people, and as one gathereth eggs that are left, have I gathered all the earth, and there was none that moved the wing or opened the mouth or peeped, Saying, I'm so great. I did. I've, I've conquered the whole world, and I did it. Um, I did it. You know, basically without opposition. I, I basically say, I am the greatest. Shall the axe boast itself against him that heweth therewith? God is saying, I gave you that power. You should be worshiping me. You should be realizing where you got your power from. Shall the axe boast itself against him that hews therewith? Or shall the saw magnify itself against him that shaketh it? as if the rod should shake itself against them that lift it up, or as if the staff should lift up itself as if it were no wood. Saying the tool, the utensil, shouldn't be, be talking against the one that, that's actually using it. Because there's no strength in and of itself. It, the only power it has is from the person that uses it. Therefore shall the Lord, the Lord of hosts, send among his fat ones leanness, 
And under his glory he shall kindle a burning like the burning of a fire. And the light of Israel shall be for a fire and his holy one for a flame. And it shall burn and devour his thorns and his briars in one day. And shall consume the glory of his forest and of his spiritual field, both soul and body. And they shall be as when a standard bearer faints. faints. And the rest of the trees of the forest shall be few that a child shall write them. He's basically saying there's going to be a huge, terrible, powerful judgment against you. There's not going to be many of you left because of your pride. Judah is another example. They didn't learn the lessons of Israel and also worshipped idols and rebelled against God. And Jeremiah uh, has a word from the Lord for them. Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Thus saith the Lord, after this manner will I mar the pride of Judah and the great pride of Jerusalem. This evil people which refuse to hear my words, this is a hallmark of pride. You, you, you listen to yourself and not to the words of God. Which walk in the imagination of their heart and walk after other gods to serve them and to worship them shall be even as this girdle which is good for nothing. God had told Jeremiah to, to get a girdle and, and wear it and then he told him to go and put it in the ground. And then after many days, God said, go dig it up. And the, the, the girdle was, was completely useless. It was, couldn't use it for anything. It, it, was, it was marred. Um, as, as the Bible says. For as this girdle cleaves to the loins of a man, so have I caused to cleave unto me the whole house of Israel and the whole house of Judah, says the Lord, that they might be unto me for a people and for a name and for a praise and for a glory, but they would not hear. Hear you and give ear um, in a few verses later. And be not proud for the Lord has spoken. Give glory to the Lord your God, before he caused darkness and before your feet stumble upon the dark mountains. And while you look for light, he turn it into the shadow of death and make it gross darkness. But if you will not hear it, my soul shall weep in secret places for your pride. And mine eyes shall weep sore and run down with tears because the Lord's flock is carried away captive. Say unto the king and to the queen, humble yourself, sit down, for your principalities shall come down, even the crown of your glory." The cities of the south shall be shut up and none shall open them. Judah shall be carried away captive, all of it. It shall be wholly carried away captive. Israel, or Judah specifically, was proud. They, they thought they knew better than God. They worshipped idols. They refused to listen to the voice of God. And their judgment was destruction of their cities and, and captivity for themselves. Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, who actually carried away Israel, was also used by God to bring judgment on the wickedness and the idolatry of Judah. But he also was proud. He had a dream of a statue that Daniel interpreted after they'd been carried away about the great kingdoms of the world. And Babylon, by the interpretation, was the first and the greatest kingdom. Nebuchadnezzar's response was to build a golden statue of himself and cause his subjects, a giant golden statue, and cause his subjects to bow down before it. That is pride right there. He was later warned of God in a dream that there would be judgment. And it was Daniel that interpreted the dream for him again. And he says, this is the interpretation, O king, and this is the decree of the Most High which has come upon my Lord the king, 
that they shall drive you from men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and they shall make thee to eat grass as oxen, and they shall wet thee with the dew of heaven, and seven times shall pass over you, till you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whoever he will. And whereas they commanded to leave the stump of the tree roots, your kingdom shall be sure unto you. After that, you shall have known that the heavens do rule. Wherefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable unto you and break off your sins by righteousness and your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor, if it may be a lengthening of your tranquility. Unfortunately, he didn't listen because the next verse says, All this came upon the king, Nebuchadnezzar. When you're proud, you can be very hard to humble yourself. At the end of 12 months, he walked in the palace of the kingdom of Babylon. And listen to this. The king spoke and said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty? He completely missed the point. God had given him that power. And he should have realized that by now. While the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken, the kingdom is departed from you, and they shall drive you from men. Basically, the same thing that he'd been warned in a dream. Uh, Until you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whoever he will. The same hour was the thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar, and he was driven from men and did eat grass as oxen. And his body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hairs were growing like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. When God gives judgment for pride, it's not a pleasant thing. And at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes unto heaven and mine understanding returned unto me and I blessed the Most High and I praised and honored him that lived forever whose dominion is an everlasting dominion And his kingdom is from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And he does according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say unto him, what do you? At the same time, my reason returned unto me. And for the glory of my kingdom, my honor and my brightness returned unto me. And my counsel is in my Lord sought unto me. And I was established in my kingdom an excellent majesty was added unto me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, all whose works are truth and his ways judgment, and those that walk in pride, he is able to abase. When God gives judgment, it is for a reason and for a purpose. And for Nebuchadnezzar, it was to make him realize where his power and majesty actually came from in the first place. God was very merciful to Nebuchadnezzar uh, in that he allowed him to come out and, and to worship God afterwards. Nebuchadnezzar was even compared to Lucifer, the angel who rebelled against God and was cast down to earth and we know as the devil or Satan. It says in Isaiah fourteen twelve, How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? And how are you cut down to the ground which which did weaken the nations? For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven 
I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Yet you shall be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. Once again, where there was pride, there was judgment. And Lucifer took a third of the angels with him. Pride had far-reaching effects once again, this time with the angels. God can't stand pride. Nebuchadnezzar's success at Belteshazzar didn't learn from the lessons of his father either. He received a warning from God by hand, writing words on a wall as he was feasting with, uh, with the vessels of the Jewish temple, that which was holy, that which was sanctified for God's use. He was using it to have a big party. And, and basically he, he uh, wrote words on, on the wall, many, many tekel aphasen, and Daniel interpreted it for him. This is the interpretation of the thing. Many, God has numbered your kingdom and finished it. Tekel, you are weighed in the balances and found wanting Perez. Thy kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. And then, skipping a verse, in that night, that same night, Belshazzar, was Belshazzar the king of the Chaldeans slain? He was slain because the Medes and the Persians came in and destroyed everything. King Hezekiah of Judah was in many ways a good king, but in those days Hezekiah was sick to the death and prayed unto the Lord and he spake unto him and he gave him a sign. But Hezekiah rendered not again according to the benefit done unto him, for his heart was lifted up. Therefore was there wrath upon him and upon Judah and Jerusalem. It's interesting that the wrath was not just for him alone, but it also came upon the people that he was leading as well. Notwithstanding, Hezekiah humbled himself for the pride of his heart, both he and the, inhabitant, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the wrath of the Lord came not upon them in the days of Hezekiah. There was still going to be judgment for the pride, but the Lord allowed it to be pushed on a little bit. Even though Hezekiah humbled himself, there were still consequences of his pride that were far-reaching across the entire nation of Judah, and it led to um, led to the carrying away captive um, of Judah, and uh, and the destruction of the entire nation. There are also multiple prophecies against Moab and Edom, where God pronounces judgment on them for their pride and arrogancy against God and the nation of Israel. Time doesn't permit me to go into those. And in a general sense, in Isaiah, God is, God is speaking, and I will punish the world for their evil, and the wicked for their iniquity, and I will cause the arrogancy of the proud to cease, and will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. God can't stand pride. What does the book of Proverbs, the book of wisdom, have to say about pride? Quite a few things, actually. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence and find out knowledge of witty inventions. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogancy, and the evil way and the froward mouth do I hate, or the evil mouth do I hate. You can't be wise and proud or arrogant at the same time. It's just not possible. When pride comes, then comes shame, but with the lowly is wisdom. There's a natural consequence of pride, which is shame. 
In the mouth of the foolish is a rod of pride, but the lips of the wise shall preserve them. Pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Better it is to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to, to divide the spoil with the proud, because there will be consequences. Before destruction, the heart of man is haughty, and before honour is humility. A man's pride shall bring him low, but honour shall uphold the humble in spirit. And Proverbs 6 and 16 goes into it in, in a stronger sense. These six things does the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. And the first one is a proud look. And then it goes on into other horrible things, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaks lies, and he that sows discord among brethren. These are not small things with God. And then in Proverbs 15.25, the Lord will destroy the house of the proud, but will establish the border of the widow. Proverbs 16.5, everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Though hand joined in hand, he shall not be unpunished. Just because someone else is 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 uh, doing the same thing with you in pride doesn't mean that you're going to escape punishment. And high look, a proud heart, the plowing of the wicked is sin. He that is of a proud heart stirs up strife, but he that puts his trust in the Lord shall be made fat. It's not wise to be proud. And God hates pride. It is an abomination to him. That's the Old Testament. What does the New Testament say about God and pride? Well, let's start with the words of Jesus. In Mark 7.20, Jesus is talking and he said, That which comes out of the man, that defiles the man. For from within, out of the heart of man, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness. All these things are really horrible and, uh, and stuff that we would hope we would never be part of. Covetousness. Wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these things come from within and defile the man. Pride is not something that is, it's an optional to get rid of out of your life. But if you leave it there, if you allow it to continue, it defiles. And that's not a small thing. That, that's a spiritual defilement. That is something that will... Um, cut off your relationship with God. Romans one twenty eight, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Once again, a list of, of things that we would never want, I hope, to be involved in. Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, Malignity, whisperers, backbiters, uh, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful and proud. Once again, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful. And then it says, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. We're getting... An idea, I hope, this morning of just how much God hates pride.
Second Timothy chapter three and verse one says, "This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud. Once again, blasphemers, disobedient parents." It goes on and on and on. Lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. From such turn away. Talks about and being led away with diverse lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so did he also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds, reprobate concerning the faith, but they shall proceed no further for their folly shall be manifest unto all men, as theirs also was. There's a thread that goes through the Bible that links pride to things like not listening to God and resisting God and 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 uh, resisting God's word and being led away into wickedness and idolatry and lust. There is a very strong relationship. In James chapter four and verse five. Do you think that the scripture says in vain the spirit that dwells in us lusts to envy? But he gives more grace. Wherefore he says, and it's talking about lust in relation to lust here, God resists the proud but gives grace unto the humble. So God just is, isn't, isn't unhappy with the proud, but God resists the proud. There's an act of pushing away. There's an act of inability to get close to a person who is proud in their mind, in their heart. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. There needs to be a humbling. There needs to be a bowing down in ourselves. There needs to be um, something where we allow God to be God in our lives. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. There should be a response if we find pride in ourselves. There should be a humbling of ourselves. There should be a, a bringing of ourselves back to the Lord. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and He shall lift you up. When you humble yourself, He will lift you up. You don't have to lift yourself up after that, but He will be the one that lifts you up. And then it goes into talking about speaking evil about others. And that also is something that pride seems to be linked with quite closely. And it's talking about uh, speak not evil, evil one of another, brethren, he, and, and judging your brothers and sisters in the Lord. That is something that pride, it, it, it's, it goes hand in hand with pride. In 1 Peter 5 and 5, Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. Once again, for God resists the proud. It's not just given once in the Bible, but it is given multiple times and gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. This is 
The second passage we've looked at where it talks about humbling yourself and being uh, resisting, being aware of the devil because pride is something that the devil knows all about. He practiced it well before us and pride will lead us to, to be more susceptible to what the devil would want us to do. Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But God calls us to be perfect and to um, draw close to him. So, how do you know that you're proud? Well, I'm going to give you a list of some of the ways that you can tell. But I wanted to mention first, it is possible to have a low self-esteem and be proud. Just because you have a low self-esteem and, and you don't think much of yourself doesn't mean that you are free from, or necessarily free from pride because there might be one area in your life where you are proud and that is still wrong and that is still makes a difference to God. So how do you know that you are proud? Here are some of the ways you can tell. You can tell when you know better than what is being preached over the pulpit or what you read in the Word of God. Another way you can tell is if you think of others or even treat others as being beneath you, if you have no time for them, especially those in the church. Or when you think you're better than anything, sorry, when you think you're better than anybody else at something, even if it's only one thing, and you let other people know about it. Or when you often talk highly about yourself. Or when you compare yourself with others, and the comparison is almost always favorable. Or when you think nobody else in the church can do something as good as you, even if it is a little thing. Or if you think you can do something in the church better than somebody else who is already doing it, then that is pride. Pride will cause you to not listen to God, to his word, to his voice, to his preaching over the pulpit. And that is a salvation issue, I'm afraid. If you know better than God then there is no way that he will be able to turn you around when you start to go down the wrong path. Remember, God never forces. And when you know better than God, you definitely will and already have started going down the wrong path. Pride often leads, maybe always leads, to idolatry. In the Bible, the nations that were proud and rejected God's ways always turned to idols. They God put it in us to worship something. And so when they didn't worship God, they would worship idols. And their just judgment was destruction and captivity, at least for a time, until they turned back, back to God again from their idols. And when we are proud, we already have an idol, ourselves. When you are proud, you worship and listen to yourself more than to God. You have made yourself an idol for you to worship. You're, uh, you're making yourself just as good as Nebuchadnezzar. He made an idol for himself and other people to worship. And God hates idolatry. So it is impossible to have a relationship with Jesus when you are proud. There's a resisting. There's a pushing away that happens because God cannot stand Pride, it is an abomination to him. It is something 
that causes resistance to when we try to pray to him, when we try to get close to him. It's like having a husband, or sorry, it's like a husband having a wife that cheats on him. And as we are the bride of Christ, that's exactly what is happening when we are proud. In your pride, you listen to yourself and your own understanding of what you believe is true. But there is no room left for Jesus or what he wants to do in your life. There is no relationship because you are just doing what you think you know is best. There isn't even any commitment on your side. Jesus has always been committed to you and to your salvation. But when you are proud, you resist everything that God is trying to do to make you closer to him and more like him. When there is pride in a person or a nation in the Bible, there is always judgment. Proverbs 16:18 says, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. It is a natural consequence. It is a God-given consequence of pride. There is always a humbling done by God if people will not humble themselves. We need to humble ourselves before, uh, ourselves before God chooses to do it for us. Because that will always be very unpleasant. It will be something that we will not want to go through. Nebuchadnezzar was warned by God in a dream and by Daniel's interpretation of the dream. And God gave him a lot of time to mend his ways. It was a full year before it actually came to pass. But when he didn't humble himself, God humbled him. He became a madman, not in his right mind, living and looking like an animal. He had nothing left to be proud about. And at the end of it all, he was finally humbled and gave God the glory instead of himself. Don't force God to go to extreme measures to humble you. If you have pride in yourself, that's something that needs to be dealt with. And it needs to be dealt with now. So how do you humble yourself if you are proud? What do you need to do? Well, Go to the front of the church, kneel on the ground and lift your hands in worship and surrender as you pray and as you repent. You know, repenting before God and before other people is humbling. But God has given it as a way to get close to him and to put down our own stinking pride. How do you humble yourself? You listen to God's voice and obey it. God's voice is frequently heard over the pulpit in the messages or through a voice by the pastor. And when you choose to ignore or think you know better, then that's pride. But when you listen, when you obey, then you are following Jesus and you're putting down that pride that is in you. doesn't mean it's going to be easy, especially if you are full of pride. But when you choose, when you force yourself to do that which you do not want to do, that is humbling yourself before God. When you are praying at home, have a time where you lie down with your face to the ground and seek God's will in your life. And then, whatever God lets you know, then you put that into action. Humbling yourself physically will help you to humble yourself spiritually. When you pray... Have many days where you admit that you are nothing and that God is everything. Our own glory is nothing compared to God. 
Our unrighteousness is nothing. The gifts and the talents and everything that makes us uh, able to do things better than other people is given to us by God anyway. He gave it to us in the first place. And we have just honed them. We have just allowed them to, to increase in our lives. But it all comes from God. And being proud for that is the same as, as what the kings in the Old Testament did and thought, it's, it's because of me, I am great, when God was the author of it in the first place. He gave them that power. And realize that no matter how much God uses you in the church or how successful you're outside the church, you're only using things, talents, skills that God has already given you in the first place. If we could stand this morning and if I could get someone to the piano. Pride is a horrible thing, spiritually. Pride will always take us away from God. Pride will always lead us into following ourselves instead of the Lord, which leads to sin and carnality and, and idolatry in our lives and will always take us further and further away from God. When we find pride in ourselves, it should give us... We should realize the urgency with which it needs to get out of our lives. We talk about bitterness a lot. We talk about how it eats away, how it destroys ourselves and others. We don't talk, and, and how urgent it is to deal with that and get rid of that out of our lives because it affects everything. It's the same thing with pride. Pride will affect every part of your life. Pride will cause you to do things that you didn't mean. If you've ever, if you've ever talked down to someone and said, oh, I didn't mean it like that, yeah, yeah, that, that's the sort of thing that pride will do in your life. If you find yourself treating others like they're dirt, then that is usually a consequence of pride. And thinking about others like they're useless and they're nothing, then that is pride being displayed in your life and it needs to be dealt with. So I'm going to ask you to do something that's going to be very difficult for you especially if you're proud. I would like you to come to the front of the church. I would like you to kneel. I would like you to lift your hands. And I would ask and urge you to come and repent before the Lord if you find pride in yourself anyway. If there is evidence of that in your life, come and humble yourself before God because... He loves you and he wants to have a relationship with you. But if you have pride, there's a resistance. There is no closeness. There is no relationship. Be faithful to the Lord like he has been faithful to you this morning. Won't you come? Won't you pour out your heart before God this morning? Won't you allow yourself to be humble before him this morning?